What's going on, family? This is Pastor Sergio Chavez, and I just want to thank you for tuning into the Hope Center podcast. Today's topic is the cure for worry and anxiety. Can you say with me, worry, anxiety? We've all experienced it. Worry and anxiety today are one of, if not some of the, the biggest things right now that are plaguing the current society that we're living in. If we look at our lives and the things that are presented to us on a daily basis, we have abundant things to worry about every single day. And I want to focus on this topic today because it's one that I personally battled with for years. Even as a Christian, even as a believer, a leader in my church, a worshiper in my church, I battled with anxiety for years, and it was something that a lot of people didn't know about. So this is something that I, I've personally lived out, but today I want to share with you the cure that I found through the Word of God. And so what is worry? Worry is feeling uneasy or troubled about something or anything. So anytime you're feeling uneasy, you're feeling troubled, you're like, I don't know, the, 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 thought, the, the major thought that comes to our mind is always, what am I going to do about X? How am I going to solve Y? Right? We begin to become worried and anxious. And so we want to talk about that today. But the issue is that some people are addicted to worry. I'm even, I'm even going to dare to say that a lot of us are. Have you ever been in a position in your life where you've, you've been worrying about your own problems, but then when something is resolved, you might wake up on a day, whether you're on vacation, you're out for a nice run, for those of you who run, you might be at a restaurant eating a nice meal, and, but all of a sudden you begin to think about somebody else's problem because you don't have one to ponder on. It's like, I don't have anything, you know, life is great right now, but then all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, fulano de tal, how could he be? What's going on? Did you see, the, did you see that Facebook post? Do you think they're okay? And we begin to worry about things that really sometimes we have no business worrying about. So it's in our nature as humans, it is in our nature to be concerned about the bad situations that are going, out, going on around us in our world and also in our personal lives. That's not the problem. The problem is when we begin to worry about things beyond what is reasonable for us. That's never what God intended. So worry is like a rocking chair. I love this word, this, this quote. Worry is like a rocking chair. It's always in motion, but it never gets you anywhere. I'm going to say it again. Worry is like a rocking chair. It's always in motion, but it never gets you anywhere. So why do we struggle with it? Why do we decide to sit in it when we know that the only thing that worry and anxiety are going to do is rob our peace of mind, they phys it physically stresses us out, and for a lot of us, it physically makes us ill. Have you ever worried yourself sick? You've been so worried about something, you're not getting enough sleep, and the next thing you know, you wake up, you have a cold, or you got the flu. It, it kills your immune system. We can worry ourselves sick. 
and that's not the life that God intended for us. Any time that we worry, it is because we're not trusting God to take care of the various situations in our lives. It's us saying, I'm gonna trust my own strength, I'm gonna trust my own ability, God's not gonna work it out for, for me, I've been praying about this for weeks, months, maybe even years, and he's done nothing, so I'm gonna step in and do God's job for me. I don't trust that he's caring for me enough, so I'm gonna worry about it, I'm gonna take on the responsibility. And every single time we look back at situations that have been beyond our control that we have worried about, we've always fallen short. Our solution has always fallen short because we think that we can step in and do what only God is capable of doing in our lives. 10% of living this life is within your control on a daily basis, but 90% of it is God's responsibility. And here we are waking up every morning carrying the weight of the world on our shoulders thinking, I can carry that 90% and I'm only going to give God 10. And God says, well, <laughs> that's how you want to live your life. I can't take care of something that you're not giving over to me. So here's the cure. I'm going to give it to you from the beginning because it's impossible to worry and live in peace at the same time. How many of you guys want peace in your life? You want to rest, you want to be in peace on a daily basis. All right, so here's the cure. The cure is quit worrying. That's the cure. There's nothing else to it. Just quit worrying. Make a conscious daily decision. I am not gonna worry about this anymore. And some of y'all are like, that's it? That's what I came for? <laughs> for you to tell me to just quit worrying? But that is the cure. The cure is to quit worrying because peace and worry cannot reside in the same place at the same time. So if you want peace, you have to be willing to let go of worry. When you let go of worry, you make room for peace. And you let it become the dominant factor in your life. So here's what I want to share with you today. How do you get to that cure? There's four choices that you can make on a daily basis to quit worrying. And so these are the, one, the points that I want you to take note on. The first one is humble yourself before God by casting your cares on Him. I'm going to repeat that point number one. Humble yourself before God by casting your cares or casting your anxiety on him. We're going to go to scripture. First Peter chapter five, verse six and seven says, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand so that in due time he will exalt you. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. The key word here is all. It's not cast 10% of your anxiety, cast 50%, cast 99.99. Cast all of your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for you. When we humble ourselves before God, we've come to a realization that we're human and that we need help. Sometimes this is the hardest thing for us to do is to humble ourselves. Because asking for help means that I have to reveal my weakness. It means that all of a sudden I have to become vulnerable. It means that I have to let people know that I'm not strong enough 
that I might not be physically capable to carry this load, that I might not be mentally capable to carry this load. And the last thing we want to do is attack our pride. It's an attack on our ego. We want to be superheroes. But when we humble ourselves, we come to a realization that God, I need help. I can't do it on my own. And so as long as we try to do everything ourselves, God will let us. He will. Because the thing is, either you're going to take care of the problem, or you're going to let God take care of the problem. But you both can't do it. So he's like, like he would say to me, baby girl, <laughs> what's it going to be? You going to give it to, you going to give it over to me for real? Or are you still going to try to, you going to try to keep your hand on this thing? Because I can't take care of it until you let it go. You, you know, a lot of us come to God in prayer and we're like, God, this is what I'm going through. I leave it. I leave it. And I think I, I even touched on this the last message I preached. We, we bring the baggage, but then we're like, all right, God. And then we, but before we leave God's presence, we're like, oh, yeah, and I, I'm just going to take this bag with me again. So we're not letting it go. And as long as we try to do things on our own and we don't give it over to God, God says, I'll let you. I'll let you carry the load. So God won't do for us what we won't do or what we can do for ourselves. The important thing to remember about this scripture is that the word of God is telling us to cast our anxiety on him. It's not telling us to cast our responsibility. So you have been given a responsibility that you need to carry out. But the stuff that is beyond your control or beyond your means, those are the things that you give to God. For example, God's not going to spend quality time with your spouse on your behalf. The day you decided to get married, that was a responsibility you took on. God is not going to raise your children for you. The day you decided to procreate, that became your responsibility. God is not going to all of a sudden study for an exam for you and help you pass. Have you ever seen those people when they, <laughs> I used to know people back in the day, they would like put their hand on the book, be like, Lord, in the name of Jesus, all of the information, you will help me remember it, Lord, in Jesus' name. And then wondered why they got a D on an exam. <laughs> because that's your responsibility. You signed up for the class. Or God's not going to complete the tasks that were given to you at your job. It was the job that you took. There were responsibilities that came along with it and you agreed when you signed the contract to fulfill the commitments of the position. Now what God will do if you ask for help is help you strategize so that you can create room in your calendar to spend time with the person you chose to marry. What God will do is help you and give you wisdom to raise your children at a time like this. What God will do is bring to memory the information that you did study so that you are able to pass your exam. What God will do is give you the creativity to be able to set your priorities right and accomplish the tasks that have been presented before you at your job. Come on, am I talking to anybody? He's not going to take on your responsibility, but he will help you to fulfill it. So whatever is within your means to do, you should do. But whatever you can't do, you need to hand it over to God. And you have to be willing to ask for help.
So when we cast our care on the Lord, and this is the final point for this one, when we cast our care on the Lord, we're saying, God, I trust you, and I am making a conscious decision to be satisfied with your answer. I'm going to repeat that. It's saying, God, I trust you, and I'm making a conscious decision to be satisfied with your answer. That means if it's not right now, and I have to wait, I trust that you know what's best for me. That means if it's not at all, I'm going to be fine with that because you have a better door that you're getting ready to open for me. That means if I'm going to have to just stay put for some time until you reveal to me what the right plan is, the right plan of action, or the way that I'm going to go, I'm going to sit here as long as I need to because I trust that you know what's best and I don't dare take a foot outside of your plan because I've been down that road before and I don't want to go down that path again. I'd rather sit here and wait on you than try to do it my own way again. So it's trusting. When we say, I trust God, we are making a conscious decision. Whatever your answer is, whether it's yes, no, not now, wait on me, I trust that you know what's best. Point number two, seek God and not his hand. To daily quit worrying, seek God and not his hand. Anxiety and worry are results of not knowing an outcome. It's the result of not being in control. We want to be in control of everything. But we must stop trying to make things happen the way we want and get to the place where we desire to please God more than we want to please ourselves. Matthew 6:33 says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things, all these things is referring to all of the things that you need, will, not may, the word of God says, will be given to you. But you have to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. God wants to give us good things, guys. A lot of times we're saying, you know, is it that God like doesn't want me to be happy? Is it that he doesn't want me to enjoy my life? Is it that he wants me to be miserable? No, of course not. God wants and desires to give us amazing and beautiful things. He wants us to be blessed. Do you know what a testimony that is to the outside world? To have a church that is blessed? To have a people that are blessed? That is what God wants for us. It is what he desires for us. But the problem is that we serve him because of the things that we think he's able to provide for us instead of serving him because we want to do his will. And when it comes to that, God is saying, I'm not going to give you something because at the end of the day, it's never going to satisfy you. Have you ever asked God for anything? Whether it's a dream job, a dream car, a promotion, the house you've always wanted, the perfect spouse, the perfect children, this perfect story. And as God grants the desires of your heart and gives them to you, all of a sudden you're like, I didn't know it was going to be this hard. Or I didn't think it was going to cost me this much money. Or I want more. It's like the iPhone. 
You buy the latest one, and then the next thing you're like, if I, if I just get the new iPhone, I'm going to be satisfied. You go out, and then tomorrow after you buy it, they're like, the new iPhone X is now out. You're like, what? I just, now I want that one. So you're never satisfied. Nothing in this world is ever enough, and God knows that. Which is why when he created us as human beings, he deposited his spirit within each and every one of us because there is always going to be a void for something that only God can fulfill, for something that only God is able to accomplish in our lives. And so we can seek for all eternity. We can have all the money in the world. We can have a perfect marriage. We can have the best kids. We can have the finest education. And at the end of the day, we're going to find that none of that is going to satisfy us. And so God says, I want you to seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. That means I want you to seek me wholeheartedly with all that you are and all that you have. Seek to do my will. Seek my plan and my purpose for your life. And do what is right, even when you don't feel like it. Choose right over wrong all of the time. And he says, and then everything that you need will be given to you. But here's the difference. It's given to you and it now becomes added value because you understand that it doesn't define who you are. Your identity is only found in Christ and Christ alone. And when you've come to a place when you realize that you have been bought with such a high price, that you are loved, that you are chosen, and that God has a perfect plan for your life, all of that means so much more than anything external that can come into your life. It all becomes added value. And I say this all the time. Before I met my husband, You've, you've ever been in a, in a place, you know, you know people where they say, well, if I just meet the right person, then I'll be happy. And then they meet the person and they're still miserable. And then they're like, well, maybe if, if we have the kids, it'll fix the marriage. And then they realize it doesn't. Or maybe you're in one relationship and, and then you go from one relationship to the next. And, and you're like, well, dang, is that all the people that all the guys that are, uh, are being presented to me? Like, you know, I don't know what's wrong with them. Or maybe all the girls, like, I don't know what's wrong with them. But in, the, in reality, the problem is you. Um, you know, it's like all, all of these things that we want. We get one, we want something else. We get one, we want something else. We get one, we want it. And we're looking for something. We're all searching for something when it's only going to be found in Christ because he's the one that identifies us. Everything else that we need that is added on is just added value. And so God says, I want you to get to a place where you desire me more than you desire things. Because when you desire me more than you desire things, when things go away, when things fail you, when plans fail you, when people leave you, when people forsake you, when people walk out, when people hurt you, when the job all of a sudden calls and fires you, when the money is running out of your bank account, 
you know that there is one constant in your life that is never going to change. And that is God and God alone. As people walk out, you know he's always going to be there. Relationships might change, but God does not change. People may forsake you, but you know you can always run to Jesus. Come on, I'm speaking to somebody. But when we seek him, everything else becomes added value. And we appreciate it because we understand that it's coming from him. And in the end, if I have it or if I don't, the God that I serve is still a good father to me. Point number three, faith and the word of God are going to be the single most effective weapon that can be used to win the war against worry and anxiety. That's it. Worrying involves negative thoughts. Anxiety involves negative thinking. It's us telling ourselves, I have to figure this out because I don't know that God's going to do it. And so the only way to combat negative thinking is when we're full of the word of God and we speak the word of God out of our mouths in faith. That means we speak it with a conviction saying, this is my truth. This is my reality. I believe this for myself. I take this word for my situation. I take this word for my circumstance. It is true and real for me. And so what tends to happen is a lot of times, you know, when people are like, well, you know, I, what can I do with this situation? My first response is always pray and seek God's direction. Open the Bible. You know, uh, I wish there was some sort of like a concoction or a drink, you know, that I could put together with, and I could tell you it's one squeezed lemon and a dash of salt and, you know, some cayenne pepper and just drink, drink it, gulp it down, and all of your negative thoughts will go away. I, but there isn't. <laughs> it is simple. You have to be a student of God's word. There's no way around it. If you want to defeat the enemy and negative thinking, you have to be able to combat with the greatest weapon that you have, and that is the Word of God. That is the Word of God. It is living, it is active, it is a double-edged sword that can pierce any heart, and it is the one thing that the enemy is scared of the most. Jesus himself used the word every single day to defeat the enemy because that's the one thing he can't go against. And the enemy runs away from people who know their word. The Bible says he creeps around, prowls around like a lion looking whom to devour. Who can I attack today? Whose mind can I mess with today? Oh, there's that person. The one who never reads the Bible. I want y'all to send, you know what? They don't even need an army. Just send one, one of my demon angels and plant, some, plant just one negative thought in, in his or her mind. That'll be enough to drive her crazy. One thought and then you worry and you worry and you worry and you're doing the devil's work for him. But when you're full of the word of God, when he prowls around, he gets tired. He gets tired of trying to attack you when you're full of the Word of God. 
I want to be the person who wakes up. You ever heard that quote? I want to be the person who wakes up every morning and the moment I put my feet on the ground, the devil's like, oh, she just woke up. Run. That's the kind of church that we want to have. But you have to be a student of God's word and there is no other way around it. So here are simple things that you can do. Find scriptures that have to do with your situation or your circumstance. You know, we are living in a world where technology makes everything available at our fingertips, everything. So if you're, ha if you're struggling with something, anxiety, worry, fear, depression, whatever it might be, literally you can Google it. Scriptures on fear and you'll get like a list of hundreds and hundreds of Bible verses. Write them down, put them as your screensaver, paste them on your wall. I have a scripture wall. Put them on your mirror with lipstick for you ladies, guys, post-its, I don't know. If you gotta put on the sole of your shoe so that everywhere you step, you feel like you're stepping with the word of God, whatever you have to do. But bathe yourself, surround yourself, with God's word. So when the negative thoughts do come, you're able to recite that word. And if it's not in you, you can at least look at your wall and be like, you keep in perfect peace. The one whose mind is set on you, you keep in perfect peace. The one whose mind is set on you. The enemy is a liar, but Jesus has come to give me life and to give it to me more abundantly. And I believe that for myself today. Psychologists have found that for every negative thought, it takes 12 positive thoughts to cancel it out. 12. It is easier for us to focus on the negative than it is for us to focus on the positive. When we go to an interview, the thing that we hate the most is having to talk about ourselves and big ourselves up. But the moment you're in a circle and people are like, what are three things you want to change about yourself? You're like, three? <laughs> I got a whole list that I can give you. Because negative thinking is a normal for us. So it takes more positive thinking or positive thoughts or positive scriptures to cancel out even one that's negative. But here's the key, don't give up. If 10 times a day a negative thought comes into your mind, then 120 times you better be ready to recite that scripture. When you want something bad enough, you will work for it. When you want it bad enough, you will work for it. When you want it bad enough, you'll have a wall full of scriptures in your room. When you want it bad enough, you'll have scriptures on your desk. When you want the life of peace bad enough, you will do whatever you have to do to obtain it. So word and faith is going to be dynamite in order to defeat worry. And number four, once you've applied all of these, you have to enter God's rest. Matthew 11:28 says, "Come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest." If you are a believer and you walk around with a negative mindset, head down all the time, something's always going wrong. I mean, I'm just gonna be real with you. <laughs> Something is wrong with you. Because the life that God intended for us to live 
is a life of joy, freedom, and peace. And you know what? You might have had enough faith for your salvation, but you haven't had faith that you are practicing daily to live this thing out. It's one thing to be saved, but when I got saved, I didn't just want salvation. I said, Jesus, I accept you today as my Lord and Savior, but I also want everything that you paid, every lash on the cross, and you dripped every ounce of blood and water for me to have. Salvation is not gonna be enough for me. I wanna also live the abundant life that you have promised and guaranteed to me if I follow this book, this book that gives me life. And so, Jesus said to his disciples, in John chapter 14, 27, he said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give it to you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I love that he made an emphasis where he says, peace I leave with you and peace I give to you. But I want you to know, I'm not giving you the peace that the world is giving you. Because the world's definition of peace is determined by circumstances. The world's definition of peace is freedom from external and internal disturbances. And we all know that is not achievable because you can experience moments of relief in this life until you don't. Until the baby wakes you up crying, until the wife begins to nag, until the husband asks you to do something, until you find out the toilet seat was left up, until the toilet paper runs out. I could keep going. We all know there are moments where our peace is just robbed from the simplest things. I know there's moments, you know, sometimes I, I, I'll wake up in the morning and I've just said a prayer and I'll walk into the bathroom and I'm like, where is the toilet paper? <laughs> And all of a sudden, my peace just flew out the window <laughs> because I couldn't find toilet paper when I'm, gonna, when I'm walking into a bathroom. The smallest things the enemy will use to rob our peace. And so it's momentary relief until something happens and it's not. And so what God says, what Jesus was telling his disciples is, I'm leaving you my peace. I'm giving it to you. It's going to stay here but it's not the type of peace that the world gives you. This is a different kind of peace. And it's a peace that is only given through the power of the Holy Spirit. It is a peace that is only available to believers. So this is why Jesus spoke only to his disciples, because he couldn't make it available to the world. But to those who believed, to those who believed in him, he said, I make my peace available to you. The moment we come to Christ, the moment we accept him, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And one of the aspects of the fruit of the Holy Spirit is peace. Galatians 5.22 says it. It is an aspect of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And when we receive the Holy Spirit, peace is made available to us. And so while the peace that the world gives might be dependent on circumstances, the peace that we have from the Holy Spirit is anchored on Christ. And the beautiful thing about that is that we know that if it's anchored on Christ, it is a peace that is unmovable. 
Come what may, it is a peace that is unshakable. Come what may, you can rock my boat as much as you want, but in the midst of my storm, I know that I can experience God's peace on the inside because it has nothing to do with what's going on around me. It has everything to do with what's on the inside of me. And if God is on the inside of me and his Holy Spirit is living within me, I can experience peace. Even when things around me are falling apart, I choose peace. Even when things around me are shaking, I choose to be in God's rest. Because he's unmovable, he's unshakable, he is above and before all, which means that his peace is also above my circumstance and before it. It was available before this circumstance showed up, it's gonna be available during the circumstance, and it's gonna be here after the circumstance is gone. But the peace is available 24-7, and I can have access to it whenever I want to. There is no wait list, there is no line, there is no beep on the phone that I have to wait for the Holy Spirit to pick up. If I say, God, I want to enter your rest, Jesus says it is available to you right now. We have to be willing to enter God's rest. So I conclude with this. I want to invite you as a believer to not let another day go by, another moment that you waste on worry. It's not worth it. That's not the life that God intended for you to live. So you've got to determine what it is that is within your control and leave the rest to God. Make that decision today. You have that opportunity to enter God's rest. Thanks so much again for tuning in. I hope that you join us the next time. If you are in the DMV area, please make sure to come out on a Sunday at 1.30 p.m. You can find more information at myhopecenter.org. And you can also stay connected to us on social media. We are at My Hope Center on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So you can search us up, connect with us, and uh, I hope to hear from you all and see you all very soon. So until then, peace, love, and God bless.